Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. Welcome citizens, New Amsterdam Radio is in season eight territory. 177 episodes rocking and rolling. Before we get to our, our interview with Relight, a couple of housekeeping arrangements at New Amsterdam on that Instagram, at new underscore Amsterdam on that Twitter. And for the first time, I can say that New Amsterdam Radio is brought to you in part by SeatGeek. You know, when I'm trying to get some of that culture to see new creatives, so I can say, you know what would be kind of cool in the show? I make sure I'm in the audience firsthand to see them work, whether it's concerts, whether it's art gallery intros. I use SeatGeek, use promo code Flobito. That's F-L-O-B-I-T-O for $20 off your first order. I am an avid user of that. And that's how you get yourselves more open to seeing more of what makes the city of creative work. But before I get to the show and before I thank you for checking out the podcast, gotta say, just got word that New Am Sam Radio is a 2022 award, a lit award winner, excuse me, for best talk show, best presentation, platinum level. Shout out to everyone at the Lit Awards for giving New Amsterdam Radio that tip of the cap. And thank you for making this show part of your podcasting diet. It means so much to me how we are working together to make this the city for creatives. My guest this week is Relay. This is a, one of the best kinds of guests, I think, for the show, because there's someone that's had some success. Uh, his music has been featured in shows like Shameless and Video Games, such as MLB The Show. But Relay wants to do more and being able to sit down with him to really talk about what it means to be a rapper in 2022 and beyond is something I would call a highlight this year, if I'm being honest, and a year full of highlights. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Let's get right into it. It's me. Global Boys, the mayor of New Amsterdam and on New Amsterdam Radio, chatting with Relay. Welcome back to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. It is I, the mayor, Flobo Boys, in the mayor's office on a sweltering, kind of California muggy day. I am sweating in my seat, but I'm going to power through this. I'm being joined by someone who is not only doing the music thing, but the grinding thing. Please welcome Relay to the show. How's it going, sir? It's going well. Happy to be here, Flobo. Appreciate it. Uh, let's start from the top. You are like the definition of like famous if you look hard enough, brother. Like, yeah. I got to ask you, what's that like to have some notoriety with your music and your craft? But if you're like me going to the grocery store trying to see what's on sale. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely probably wouldn't self-describe myself as famous, but um. Yeah. Yeah, I got I got a little bit of a little bit of something here or there, um, and it's it's cool. It's it's I feel like I got a foot in the door at least, yeah. um, especially in the realm of the music industry that I'm in. Um, and yeah, no, as as of this year, like this year is the first time I've been like going out and performing at shows, and there are people there that see me that are not my friends that I invited via text message. They're just like. Yeah. randoms that pulled up and it's like okay that's cool so it's yeah it's it's an interesting kind of still very much grind but definitely also have a few things to point to that like are milestones that i would consider to be pretty i'm pretty proud of yeah was music always the craft or something you fell into was that always um, the dream? 
that is uh, i got a long-winded answer for that one because Hit. yeah it's it's a little bit of both um music has always been like part of my life uh, my parents i was born in lawrence kansas ku both my parents went to ku um and they had a reggae band when i was growing up so <laughs> i've always been around music in some shape or form when i was like five my mom started teaching me piano my dad is a bass player um and then once I got a little older, my brother, I have one older brother, he picked up the drums and I started getting into trumpet. And so we kind of had a little family band that we would just like play covers of different like Bob Marley songs and stuff like that at home. Like dad's on the bass, mom's on keys, I'm playing keys <laughs> or cool. trumpet or something and my brother's a drummer. Yeah. Um, but it was always like kind of just like a hobby and a passion. like. I, I never really considered it to be something that I could pursue as a career until I came down to LA for college. I ended up going to USC and right even even still, I, I entered USC as an architecture major. Um, oh, wow, okay. Didn't know, didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Did, didn't yeah. know what I was doing at all. Um, and after about a year of that, I was like, this is probably not for me. Um, Again, my older brother, he's a mechanical engineer. He's currently getting his PhD at UCLA and smart shit. And mm -hmm. uh, my parents were like, that is a very solid game plan for financial um, uh, stability. So you should yeah. probably follow in those footsteps to a degree. And I tried with the architecture thing and it didn't really work out. But in my dorm, I would be making beats on my computer and one of my roommates was in the drum in the music school as a drum major and he was like why don't you just join the music school and i was like music school i didn't even know um <laughs> but ended up applying got in majored in music industry which is like a little bit of everything which was cool but also not the most cool when it came to like okay what's your focus and i'm like well i can do like a little bit of everything but right. not super great at one thing but while i was at usc um i would just make songs make music in my dorm record stuff put songs together load them up on soundcloud and that led to a label deal with an independent label on the west side called blue alon records and when that happened i was like okay maybe i have something here yeah. um, and from that point on i kind of just kept at it and used that opportunity to develop my sound and keep making music until here I am now and fortunate enough to be able to make a living making music every day. So, so that's a lot to impact it because I feel there's a lot of parallels with that as well because like my parents are immigrants that came from the islands in the 70s and okay. like most immigrants it's always get a good job get a good job and then you can save a little, little nest egg and be good because it's the right. American way uh, the American dream applies to everyone but I think immigrants like take it to heart just a little bit more than people mm -hmm. more here at least in my experience and so my mom nurse my dad electrical engineer my brother did it now he's a welder and i left home to to cut movies i wanted to be a movie editor at the time and they were like what what are you doing bro like get a real job and i guess i realized there really isn't a real job you like hate if, if you hate what you're doing right so yeah. i went down to i was a financial analyst in high school and i was like this is dumb and then i just went from tv to broadcast to, to film and it's kind of cool to even though you know what you're good at and what you love to go around the moon for other things and go, no, this is really like what I want to do. Which is pretty right. Cool. No, absolutely. 
What was the, the, the SoundCloud era like? I mean, was it a situation where you just put stuff up and someone just heard you on volume or you had the golden track? You're like, yo, this one feels different. This one hits different. I'm going to put it here and see what happened. Like, what was that going like? Yeah, no, the SoundCloud era, era was definitely a volume era. Um, I was producing, writing, recording, editing, and releasing one song every week. Um, <sighs> and... In retrospect, I mean, it sounds like a lot in retrospect, um, but like these days I'm doing like three songs a week, so yeah, I'm not releasing them all, but um, yeah, I was I was dropping a song a week on SoundCloud, just coming up with whatever, recording it in my apartment. Um, and that era was coupled with the Craigslist era because um, I got a surprising amount of gigs and opportunities on like the gig section of Craigslist, just going on there looking like back in the day, this was like 20, 2012, 2013-ish, like Craigslist was like a little, like it's always been shady, but like a little <laughs> like, <laughs> shady than it is now in terms of like the music gig opportunity component of it. Um, and so there were opportunities to like open for artists that were like touring and needed a local opener um people who like needed a rapper to hop on a track or something like there were opportunities like that and so i ended up actually finding a post that was like indie label looking for artists like submit and i'm like okay this is a little fishy maybe um and well, go for it i you know why not i'll just throw my hat in the ring see what happens um, you just said it was shady brother like, yes I'm <laughs> go but, for yeah it. you know i i had enough glimpses of success to be like it's worth the risk even if okay. i show up and it's a dude in a weird room and <laughs> light bulbs everywhere and he's can't leave studio time but he's asking for money as soon as i get that is yeah i've uh i've been bit a couple times but that opportunity actually turned out to be legit and it was a record label that they were like relatively young and looking for new artists and they liked my sound and I had been posting enough on SoundCloud that they had a lot to skim through and were like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's make it happen. So, um, I think that part of it, I definitely like lucked out a little bit in that I feel like most artists posting songs on SoundCloud are not given an opportunity to like sign with an indie label that actually has like a legitimate record deal offer with an advance and that kind of stuff. Like they showed me a contract with an advance on it. And I was like, I better sign this shit immediately. Yeah. <laughs> what a great yeah. mistake. But like, I was just like, as a college student, it was incredible. So I, I jumped on the opportunity. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause a lot of, uh, fortunately, a lot of guests I've had this show had a very similar situation where they've, they've grinded the toilet away and it's a one chance encounter or a job or this one they meet at a party or whatever. Um, it's not luck. Cause you could have been like, nah, I don't got no songs. I'm working on it. And then it'd have been a wrap. <laughs> it'd have yeah. been over <laughs> like, well, whatever. But the fact you've been working on it, that's what I have to get myself back into sometimes. That's the first thing to go. I go, well, no one's no one's looking at X, whatever the X is, and I'll kind of give up, or anyone can listen to this can give up. You kept at it, which is dope. Yeah. No, uh, one of the, the I, I laugh at this. So during the pandemic, 
there wasn't anywhere to do stand-up comedy. And so mm-hmm. I did, uh, just to get that comedy, like, it scratched. I did my first ever comedy novelty song. It's called The Lone in the Club. It's available now on Spotify. Uh, it's about a guy that breaks into a club at 7.30 in the, in the evening because that was, to me, my COVID song. Because I had all my food, all my snacks, all my booze, but no one come in to my club because I was locked in. Um, music making is hard, bro. Because even though I made one, I was like, woo! I'm done. And you just said you did three a week. Like, how do you keep yourself motivated week in, week out, concept, concept out? You're not just doing songs with like drones for minutes. You're doing lyrics, bars, pre-choruses, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely not easy. Um, a lot of the motivation I have right now with the three songs a week comes from that is, that's a quota I have for the job I have. Um, and I have to. So on the one hand, it's interesting because as a creative, you you don't always have like the inspiration or the motivation or just like that you're not in the right headspace to like be creative and put out something that you're happy with. So have like being held to this, like you gotta make this amount of songs by this date type of thing on the one hand is like, okay, this is hard and stressful. And some of the songs I shit out are not going to be that great. However, it has forced me to be able to kind of push myself in a way that I might not otherwise have been doing where it's like, okay, something's not coming, but I have to make this song. So Mm -hmm. power through it. Um, And that has, I think it's like helped me become a better songwriter in that like I can I can come up with stuff a lot more quickly and kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together in a way that makes sense but is also like I guess just quicker than than I used to and it it's kind of like any muscle that you like the more you work it and the more you flex it the better you get using it yeah. and if you kind of don't use it, then you lose it type of thing. Like having to make three songs a week, it's like, okay, I've now gotten to a point where like, if someone needs a song in a day, I can give you a song in a day and it's not gonna be bad. It's not gonna be the best song in the world, but some songs I've written that I'm super proud of, like came out in 20, 30 minutes. So it, it really varies, but yeah, in terms of motivation, it's just like knowing that even if I don't, necessarily want to be doing it or if I am not super thrilled with what I'm getting I I'm getting something out of it even if it's just like a mild moderate amount of improvement in that next time I go tackle something it's going to be better or next time I go take a stab at this hook like yeah. I'm I'm going to know what doesn't work so I can be that closer to figure figuring out what does work yeah, what's your take on on music, specifically hip hop, today? Uh, it feels like again, I'm, I'm from a very hip hop center town. I'm originally from Brooklyn. Um, I don't want to sound like a crotchety old man, but it seems like newer hip hop is very more melodic, whereas when I grew up, it was more lyrical. Um, your music kind of dances around that line and basically erases that line. Uh, what was your attempt? What was your 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 perspective on the craft where you were coming up? Um, yeah, no, I, I would 100% agree with that. I I think things have definitely steered in a more melodic direction, which I can absolutely appreciate, um, like the Travis Scott's of the world or, you know, 
Roddy Rich, people like that, where it's like exclusively they're they're like singing, like singing, singing, <laughs> but yeah. it's on like a, a hard hip hop beat, trap beat, whatever it may be. Um, I think it's interesting and I, I think me growing up in the in the age that I did and like I came up listening to like rappers like the first few hip hop albums I had access to were like Chronic 2001, Dr. Okay. Dre, Outkast, um, the like collection. It was like the spe uh, speaker box collection or something. Oh, thinking about Love Below, yeah. Um, not the Love Below speaker box. It was like it was like a, a compilation of like their best hits. Oh yeah, with, with the whole two, world and funking around on it. it. Yeah. So like that, I had that one on repeat. Um, Tech Nine, Nelly, even though Nelly's a little melodic, but like definitely yeah. not to the degree that artists are today. But like I was listening to like rappers rap, so I I definitely like aim to have that component be like part of my music because I appreciate it, I enjoy it, I like it. Yeah. Um, but there's like stuff about the melodic rap that I appreciate as well and really enjoy, and it's like fun to listen to because it sometimes is a little easier to come up with a catchy melody than like a catchy rap hook or something like that so yeah i i can see the appeal to both sides but i definitely like aim to toe the line kind of like you said and that i have an appreciation for both and i'm also like not the best singer in the world <laughs> um if i was a better singer i might lean more heavily into that side but kind of being self-aware of where i am at vocally i think i have a strength on the rap side and i sing well enough to like auto-tune it but yeah i don't want to necessarily be viewed as like an auto-tune rapper so i try to find a balance where there's enough of it that like might attract some people who are that like fans of that type of music but not so much that right I don't know, kind of appealing to as broad of an audience as possible. So auto-tune is like the condiment, not the ingredient. Like, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll okay. on top. I would say so. Uh, taking uh, two of, of your songs that have uh, appeared in other media, uh, Lemonade and Long Time Coming, uh, Shameless and MLB The Show 21s, uh, respectively. Uh, what is that like? Because I do feel like when these shows may not know you from your your core audience, but when you get that love and that support, do you try to, does that influence the next wave of music? You just go, hey, thanks for appreciating it, more to come. Like, how does that work for the creative process? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I wouldn't say it necessarily influences the next wave of music in that, like, you kind of never know what's going to get that type of placement or that type of sync. Mm -hmm. And so I think it in that sense would be kind of a microcosm of like what's popular in the industry where it's like, if you're chasing the wave of what's popular, you're never gonna catch up type of thing. So if I have a successful placement like Lemonade that was in Shameless and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna make 10 more songs that sound like Lemonade, people might not be looking for that by the time right. those are out. And so I, I kind of have, made the decision to just stick to my guns and make what I want to make because it, it's worked out to a degree in that sense already. Um, 
And yeah, as far as those placements are concerned, like the Shameless one was extremely dope. Like I've had like the majority of the, the licensing placements I get are like, we need a song that's like in the background of this club scene, people are dancing and we just need some like booty bounce, whatever. Like right. talk about money, talk about whatever, yeah. like top yeah. 40s type stuff. But it's it's not something that people are gonna hear and be like, let me go check that out. Whereas like the Lemonade placement was a featured performance. That song was like, they played the whole song in the episode um, during like a montage. It was the only audio you could hear. So people had plenty of time to like Shazam it really hear it hear the lyrics see what it's about um and i think that part like partly that partly shameless is just like a massively popular show um True. like my parents watched the shit out of that show <laughs> like, you're shameless so it, that part was cool just like having a song in a medium that like i'm already a fan of and it's like it, it was a little more special but also kind of funny because Apparently, Shameless is pretty popular in Russia. So, oh wow, the, uh, comments from Russian people on my YouTube like hear from Shameless and it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty dope. Having something crossover like that for me. Um, when I heard your song in the show, I was like, wait, is that? Because <laughs> and it's cool because that song is a long time coming. It makes sense. You, your whole point of the game is that you go from the minor leagues and the majors. But what I like about this is this goes back to the lyrical uh, part of uh, the, the interview is that there are some bars that like hit me like months later. <laughs> I think I was like driving to the beach last week, like in the back, like mosquitoes. Oh, like <laughs> to me, that's so cool to have to create something that could be un unraveled and be different layers of things as people go on. It's pretty dope. Well, thank you. <laughs> what is it like on a day off for you? Do you do day offs or do you work every day? Uh, day offs are rare. Like my my only days off are if I like like go somewhere. Mm -hmm. If I if I am physically off the grid and do not have access to like headphones and a beat or like my notes app where I write lyrics, then like okay, I'll take a day off. Or if I'm like visiting family for like i'm not working on christmas or something like that but right. as far as like yeah weekdays in general nine to five like i i work every day like if if i'm not working on songs for my job and their catalog for the purpose of film and tv like i'm i'm working on something for my own personal stuff um and that was one of the silver linings of COVID is that being able to work remote allowed me to really kind of schedule out and prioritize my personal stuff a little more and just like invest more time in that because normally on a typical day before COVID, I'm in the office, like, which is also like not super typical for a songwriting gig but i'd be in the office working on music nine to five get home and i'm burnt out and i don't really have like the energy to go work on my personal album whereas when the pandemic hit and i'm working remote it's like okay i'll work a couple hours on work stuff and then i'll take a break work a couple hours on album stuff take a break come back to work and kind of like do bits and pieces of each here and there over the course of the day um but that that would be every day, even on weekends, because 
if it's three o'clock on a Saturday and I'm just chilling at home, yeah, I might have a lyric pop into my head and I'm like, oh, I got to go write that down. And then once I go write it down, I'm sitting at my computer. I'm like, well, let me see what else I can flesh out here. And then six hours pass and I have a song done, but it, right. there's really, yeah, there's no real schedule to it. It's like whenever, whenever it comes, I got to make it happen until I get, I get sick of it and yeah. then come back to it. <laughs> I have to get sick of it. I love it. <laughs> uh, what's the concept of albums? Are they, are they still an event? Like when I was a kid, every two years, every three years, it was a thing. Now it's surprise albums, weekly uploads from artists. Like where does that stand for you as far as your, your milestone, your creation? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely shifting. Like, cause there's no like, CD press album drop at Walmart where you go check out the there you you don't have as many people skimming through the CD section trying to find new music or trying to find that latest drop from the hottest artists like I feel like obviously the bigger artists like Beyonce Kendrick they have they still have like ceremonial album drops um, but for the people who are not gonna grab those like immediate like like thousands of sales i i think it's a lot more fluid um like i dropped an album earlier this year but my next wave of music could very well be like a series of singles or like double singles or an ep and then a second ep or something like that where i i think it's more because just in general these days, like if you have like a dope single, mm -hmm. that might be all you need. So it's easier to kind of drop a single and then flood whatever marketing, uh, finances, exposure you can get into that one song if that's like the song you believe in. Whereas doing that with an album, it's a little more saturated because you have 12 songs for people to sift through and choose from right. and it's a little harder to kind of like sift through whereas with a single you can focus on a single and that might blow up and it's like okay now we can drop an album so i i've kind of approached it in i like having projects to release but that times have definitely changed. So I, I think it's, it really just kind of fluctuates and depends on the artists and what their goal is. If you're just trying to release music, then you might be leaning towards dropping an album. Whereas if you're trying to like make a song blow up, then it might be single, single, single EP or whatever. But yeah. it's, it's interesting to see kind of the different release tactics for different like tiers of artists yeah i feel like there's something similar but different happening with comedy um when i was a kid it was like six comedians that got hbo specials a year and when they were they were like events like oh the new chris rock you know saturday 11 p.m or whatever now with netflix you can get a special out every week you can mm -hmm. do a special or you do like a bunch of 15 minute sets or you can do tiktok videos every day and you can get exposure that way so it's kind of interesting to see how that's all becoming more i don't know fluid yeah I, I i would totally agree i i'm a fan of stand-up comedy i watch like way too much stand-up comedy <laughs> um, and i definitely have noticed like a lot of 
post this like short five minute clip from a special online. And if that blows up, like you got another special or if you, if that blows up, talk to Netflix or yeah. that kind of thing where like, it's a little kind of like all forms of media these days where it's like, if you can get like a, a small sample size to really like take off, then that could provide access to like making a full project happen and that yeah. kind of thing. Um, yeah. And yeah, no, with, with creative stuff across the board, I kind of see that as the trend these days. When you're in the booth, what is your snack food of choice? Oh, um, you know, I don't eat a lot of snack food in the booth just because trying to like wrap <laughs> with like stuff in the teeth and like it's, it's, it's tough. If anything, I'll have like a drink. I might have like a bottle of water. Yeah. Um, honestly, like water and chapstick are my my foods of choice in the booth. That's what's up. Uh, yeah. if, if someone's listening to you right now, they're seeing how you come up. I see how you make dope music videos, you know, as, as, as crisp as you can. Is there something they can start now from a business standpoint? They already got the music already made. They have a path of doing that, but to get their, their foot forward, to get themselves out there in your business. Life. Yeah. I mean, if, if you have the music and you're proud of it and you have like a good product, it's, it's, that's a tough answer because there's so many different ways you can kind of go about it. Like one avenue and the avenue I've been pursuing lately is try to push your song towards sync and see if you can land a placement on a show that's like, okay, if I have a featured performance of my song in the show, that could lead to a ton of traffic and I can build off of that. Or trying to get a song to blow up on TikTok, which is a big thing these days, but so unpredictable it's mm -hmm. it's really tough to like make that happen unless you have lots of financing behind you in which case you probably don't need to figure it out yourself um mm -hmm. uh but yeah no i would i would definitely say like having a music video helps just because like that's something people really like to have like it's a, it feels a little more tangible and a lot of places that if you're trying to run ads, you need a video component for whatever platform, like Instagram, you want to run an ad on a video. So like having visuals to accompany the audio definitely help with that. Um, when you're booking shows, if you're trying to get out there and perform like lots of places, show us a video of your last performance. So even if your video, like music video is just a video of you performing the song with the track laid over or something like that, like people people like looking at stuff um so it, it's definitely valuable to have and can be utilized for a lot of different like foots in the door to different like avenues of exposure for sure my man's out of here at dropping signs relay thank you so much for being on the show new Amsterdam radio podcast for creatives now here's the fun part if i want to connect with you if i want to go to a show if i want to be like yo man let me get your next album how to go about doing that yeah, if you want to find me, I am on social media, particularly Instagram at really relay. Um, it's really relay. Relay is spelled with an e at the end um, for the sake of Google Google ability. Um, 
Uh, that's really the only social I'm on. That's where I post everything, all the updates. I have a website on there as well, where you can find links to like upcoming shows, upcoming releases. Um, you can find my music on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, everything. Um, and yeah, my latest album, Green Shoots, I dropped it back in April and I'm still performing shows off of that album. I'm gonna have a short tour run coming up uh, next month, September. That's gonna run in the Southwest region from LA out to Houston, Texas and back. So if you are in the Southwest, um, look me up if you wanna come check out a show because the live performance is, is fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna be dropping new music later this year as well, but right now I'm focused on the live show. So if you wanna come out and turn up, we're going to have that information for you in the show notes to review at your leisure. Thanks so much for being on the show. I want to have you back down the line because I know you're going to blow up, baby. You'd be like, I was on that podcast one time. I would love to be back, and I appreciate that. <laughs> Hopefully so. <laughs> <laughs>